0: Thank you, Les. This is so nice. This is so nice to have people in the building again. It's also very nice that I'm only having to work one thing and not everything. So thank you once again, especially this morning, to Clay and to Jackson, taking care of us and making sure that we have a good service. Um, Well, happy Mother's Day. Wow, that was... Not a very excited response. This is Mother's Day. Happy there it is. That's a little less Presbyterian. But it is. It's Mother's Day. It's a wonderful day in which we remember our moms. What does motherhood have to do with the coronavirus, quarantines, self distancing? And being citizens of the heavenly places. What does motherhood have to do with what we have been experiencing for the last couple of months as we have been groping our way uh, and trying to figure out how to do things during this strange time, during this time of difficulty, uncertainty, and trial? Uh, whether that is is, uh, physically for for someone, uh, if they have gotten uh, sick, actually contracted the virus, if it is emotional, um, as people have been struggling with loneliness uh, because of the self-distancing and the shelter-in-place executive order that we've had here in Georgia, whether it's been psychological or spiritual, Every one of us have been affected to some degree, other or another, during this time. What does, and, and, and what I've been and trying to encourage us with, especially uh, since um, Resurrection Sunday, when we began looking at different portions of 1 Peter, is to encourage you with how we respond as a people of hope because we are citizens of the heavenly places. That as we live here on earth, as we live here in America, it is not our earthly existence, it is not our American citizenship that defines who we are and therefore how we live as God's people. It is who we are as those who have been uh, uh, crucified in Christ together with him and those who have been raised from the dead with him in his resurrection. It is we who uh, inhabit uh, the heavenly places as those raised up and seated with him in those heavenly places. That is what defines who we are. That is what dictates how we live. It, it is what shapes the way that you and I experience and interpret our everyday world and existence. So what does Mother's Day have to do with all this? Do we have to leave behind uh, that... that, that um, that way of of, uh, encouragement because it's a special day to Hallmark? Well, no, we don't. Because in God's providence and in God's timing, there is a beautiful passage of Scripture this morning that we have before us in which God is specifically addressing his people who are struggling to believe and follow him because his promises just seem to be too good in comparison to the daily experiences that they are having. Does that sound familiar? Is anyone else here struggling to really embrace the promises of God and not wrestle with some doubt or some frustration? Well, in this passage of Scripture, is for you, and it is for me. Let us read together from Isaiah 49. The the focus of of the sermon is going to be on verses 14, 15, and 16, but I'm going to read verses 8 through 18 to kind of give us a little bit of a broader context. Let us give our reverent attention to God's holy word this morning. Thus says the Lord. Sorry. Sorry. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. All on bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of of Sainte. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, or exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, in the singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken. My Lord has forgotten me. So now the Lord speaking again. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste, you destroyers, and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does." Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, your covenant faithfulness. We thank you for all these amazing acts within history and that you have done to redeem us and to reveal yourself to us. We especially thank you this morning for the image that you give us today on Mother's Day. To be reminded of just how amazing your faithfulness is to a people who wrestle with unbelief and doubt and frustration because of the earthly circumstances that do not match our heavenly identities. And so speak to us today through this passage of scripture for the glory of your great name and for the good of your holy people. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this indeed is Mother's Day, and God provides us a picture of himself this morning that is based on motherhood, and he is providing this specifically to a people who are struggling to really uh, emotionally give themselves to the promises of God. What is, not being, what is not here is a group of people who say, We don't believe you, God. What is not here is a, is a group of pe- people saying, Yeah, 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 that's all pie in the sky, we're not interested. This is not a people who are saying, We don't care. This is not a people who say, We don't want you anymore, we want Molech. This is not a people who is continuing to live in the idolatry that has brought them into exile. This is a people, a generation that was not part of the original generation that went into exile. This is that second generation who are hearing about the promises of God's restoration to the land. They are living in exile. They are not living as citizens of their true homeland. They are outside. They are pilgrims. And God uh, has just gone through for the second time and is providing his people uh, these amazing promises that he is going to come to them in the desert. He is going to find them as he did before. And he is going to uh, take them and move them safely in the abundance of his protection and care and take them and bring them out of exile and bring them back into their promised home. That is what is going on here. In Isaiah 42, we find the first of uh, what we refer to as the four servant songs. Here in 49, we have the second servant song. And so, in, starting in verse eight, God has, is finishing up a discourse that He is having with this promised servant. It is the same servant that you and I know about from Isaiah fifty-three. That's one of the—that's the, probably the most famous of the servant songs in Isaiah. Isaiah fifty-three. This servant is that same servant. This is the one that God has chosen, that God has ordained, that God is empowering. to, to go to his people and do what is necessary to overcome their failures and to provide them the righteousness and salvation that they need to be restored as God's people. And at the earthly level, or the typological level, the servant is one here in Isaiah 49 who is expressing his own struggle, expressing his own struggle of, have I done enough? Look at the way the people are. Have I done enough? And what God is telling him is, I am going to take everything that you do, and I'm going to make it perfectly efficacious for accomplishing everything that's needed. Just keep being faithful, and I am going to take that faithfulness and accomplish everything that needs to happen. Those are strong words. Those are comforting words for the people of God because we are reminded here that this, this discussion is not taking place between God and His people. This discussion is taking place between God and His chosen servant. And between the two of them, they are working out everything for you and for me. So that what is left for us is but to believe. What is left for us to do is but to rest and to receive what God is doing for us through his servant. That's our role. But that's where we come into the text in verse 14. In verse 14, we, we see these words that the people of God, in response to these incredible promises in response to this amazing dialogue that they've been made privy to been listening to God and his servant talk about all this great stuff that they're going to do where there's going to be an initial salvation out of the land uh, of exile and brought into the back to the promised land and how there's going to be an even greater stage uh, to come because not only is Israel going to come back but there's, the servant is going to be a light to the nations. And God is going to call all of his people from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. And so it's not just Israelites coming back from Babylon. It is you and me coming out of the darkness when he brings us new life. And returning to him as his people, as those who rejected him and left him back in the garden. He is recovering his people he is recovering you and he is recovering me and so there is these there is this these multiple stages and multiple levels of salvation that god is discussing with his servant and god's people who are living in exile what they say as they are personified by this word zion they say we feel forgotten We feel forsaken. Zion was this little hill in Jerusalem. It was the hill that the temple had been built upon. And for the generation that are hearing all these great things, what they can see is the rubble of the temple. What they see is not one stone being left upon itself. What they see are the walls that have been torn down. What they see are the the enemies of God overrunning the land. What they see is, is that the thing that they could see before that gave them the comfort of knowing that God was with them is not there. The temple is gone. It has been destroyed. And for the people of God at this time, for them, they wrestled with how to understand the temple being destroyed with knowing if God was with them. As they hear these great promises, yes, I know you're struggling. Yes, I understand that things are not the way you wish they they should be. Yes, I understand that because you're in exile, things aren't normal. Your everyday lives have been turned upside down. Yes, I know that there's a greater fear for you right now than what you had when you lived in the land. Though I know that you are struggling with a greater fear right now because there is this microscopic virus that is running rampant. That you cannot see. That you don't know how specifically to fight. Yes, I know that you are afraid. I know that your world's been turned upside down. I know that things are different. And so here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember a nursing mother. Is there any better picture to us that you and I can see within this world of the most intimate of bonds that exist between one who gives life and then shares that life and even nourishes that life than a mother and her nursing child. This is the image that God uses. Now, first of all, take this, think about this. He's just talked about all this awesome stuff That he and the servant are going to do. Where his people, all they have to do is just receive it. And their response is, well, it's just hard to really, really believe right now. Their response is to complain. Their response is to be despondent. God doesn't grab him by the shirt and shake them and say, wake up. He doesn't say, as my football coach used to say, suck it up, buttercup. What he does is he gently, like a mother with her child, says, I know all this other stuff is dominating your thinking, and it's dominating your experience right now. Let's, Let's take you out of that, and let me give you something else to ponder. Let me give you something different to set your mind and your heart upon. And that is the image of a nursing mother. And what God says is this is what explains to you my care for you. If you want to understand what I think about you, if you want to understand what I feel towards you, if you want to get an idea of my commitment to you, then think of the nursing mother with her child. Now in Deuteronomy, the Deuteronomy passage we read earlier, we read there as God is talking uh, to his people that he had brought out um, uh, in the exodus, as he brought out from Egypt, he says, I found you in the desert. But he also says, I gave birth to you. There is this image of, of God as mother with his people that go right back to the very beginning. God saying, I gave birth to you, and I, and I took you, and I, and I protected you. Like a mother hen, I took my wings, and I spread them out over you to make sure that the sun wouldn't scorch you and to make sure that you had the shade that you needed and to make sure nothing could, could touch you or affect you. I did these things because I love you and i am committed to you as my children here in isaiah he is repeating that same image once again as his people find themselves in a desert wasteland looking for the lord and he says i'm going to come and the mountains will be lowered And there's going to be a smooth road for you in which everything you need will be found along the way. I will feed you. I will guide you. I will get you there. Just like a mother will do with her child. Now this is amazing because the Lord uses not simply this idea of motherhood, but he uses very specifically the idea of a nursing mother. Now, Contrary to what you may think, I've never been a mother. I've never given birth. And I've never nursed a child. But I used to really enjoy watching Christy. And one of the things that I learned from listening to her talk about it and from watching the experience that she would have uh, with it was there was this bond, there was this connection that she had with our girls that I didn't have. In fact, even later on um, with our second uh, who struggled with colic for some time, um, I would get home really late from work, usually around 3 a.m., and that was usually about the time that our colicky child would be awake and would be fussing and and I told Christy I will do it I'll give the bottle I'll take care of her and she wouldn't let me she would rather get up out of bed in the middle of the night and have that special moment with her daughter that was something I didn't experience as a dad now I have special experiences in other ways but There was this intimate connection that she got to experience with one that she had given birth to, that she had a shared life with, that she was nourishing from herself. That idea alone just blows my mind. Now, scientifically, we know that this is not just something that happens haphazardly. But there are things that go on in a woman's body that, that helps drive the, this special connection. We know that it's really difficult for a nursing mother to forget her child because if she doesn't allow the child to nurse, she will experience physical pain and needs something to happen. Once again, I don't know this experientially, but I've read it on the Internet, so it must be true. No, but I remember Christy talking at times. If we were not in a position for her to be able to, to do it comfortably, um, that she would talk about how it, it hurt, and she knew that she needed to, and there was something driving her back to our children. But we also know that there is this hormone that gets released that, that, uh, that they've, they, they can name. I can't pronounce the name, but you can read it if you like. Um, But where they know the chemical that is released in the woman's brain when she is going through the process of nurturing that creates those good feelings of happiness, joy, connection. This is the image that God is using to help us understand his connection to us. But there's another way that is just as beautiful in this description. Because the relationship that exists between mother and child, especially a mother and nursing child, is one in which there is complete and utter devotion, but only in one direction. It is a devotion from the mother to the nursing infant there is not a devotion from the nursing infant back to the mother in fact that's why in the past we had things I guess they still exist uh, these individuals called wet nurses that could nurse for a mother and why could that happen well because the child will get it anywhere he can right there is this, this amazing relationship of intimacy, that intimacy that exists and that is being described, but it is one way. And how often is that the case between us and God? That it is His devotion in a one way towards us that is perfect? It is a devotion from him towards us that never fails. It is a devotion from him towards us that is always at work. There is a devotion from him towards us that is always bearing us up. There is a devotion from him to us that keeps us able to be able to take one step after another as his pilgrim people who are looking for him to bring us to the fullness of our heavenly citizenship. It is a devotion from him to us in which he is never the one who forgets. It is always us. And how appropriate then for God in providing this powerful image of of him as a mother to us, to remind us that when we are feeling doubt, when we are wrestling with being able to really embrace and enjoy the promises of God that have been made, yes and amen, in Jesus Christ, that it is not because His memory has failed, it is because of ours. It is our memories. And so what God does is he provides us not just a list of, well, but, you know, why would you forget me? I've done this and this. No. What he does is he responds to our struggle by giving us a powerful image that gets to our hearts. Because even a nursing mother, he says, can forget. But I never will. Beloved, God will never forget us. He will never forsake us. And not simply because he has made promises, and not simply because he is fulfilling those promises, but notice in verse 16, he gives us another powerful image as to how we know that he will never forget us and never forsake us. And that is because he says, he has engraved our names upon his palms. Now, at the time in which this was written, this would have been a powerful image. A powerful image because in this day and age, it was very typical for most people to live as servants and not as masters. It was very few who lived as masters, but there were a lot that lived as servants. And one of the common practices is that the servant would have the master's name tattooed on his arm. And that so, so that you knew permanently who the servant belonged to. Oh, this is so-and-so's servant. But the image here that God is using is he is flipping that on its head. And rather than the, the master or the servant having the master's name tattooed on his arm, what we see is that the master has the servant's name tattooed on his arm a complete reversal, a, a complete switching things and turning them upside down to help us understand how committed he is to us that he has tattooed our names on him. Now, the image here, though, is more than a tattoo. A tattoo has a very little needle, right? It pokes a little bit into the skin. But the image that God uses here is that I have engraved Your name's upon my palms. The act of engraving would have required a hammer and a spike. And you would have had to take the the spike and the hammer and you would have had to pound it and pound it deep into the material and, and, and not just pound it in, but you'd have to move it around and shape it in such a way as to create the image or the letters or whatever is being engraved. And what God is saying is, I love you so much, and I am so committed to you that I would willingly allow a spike to be driven into the palms of my hands and have the blood that would come from that event shed in order to show you just how much I love you, how much I am committed to you, and how certain you can be that in the midst of your struggle of doubt with my promises, what you can do is you can look upon my palms and you can feel the holes In them. And I will say to you, put your finger here and see my hands. Do not disbelieve, but believe. God is so committed to us, beloved, that this is not a metaphor, it is a preview as Jesus Christ would go to the cross and as those spikes would be driven into the palms of his hands on the cross and as the blood would be shed and as we would see God's commitment, that we would see the perfect work of the promised servant as it was brought to fulfillment for you and for me in the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is that servant of, Psalm 40, of, of Isaiah 49. Beloved, as we are struggling right now during this time, struggling with that dissonance that every one of us are experiencing between what were promised in what we're experiencing. What God does as he says, remember on this Mother's Day that I am the greater mother that is greater than all the loves of all the moms. Because I have given you birth, you have a shared life with me, and I will nourish that life every step of the way. Even when you become a teenager, and you take me for granted, and you forget all the special sacrifices that I have made that you really don't really see, but they're there, and they are driving me over and over and over to embrace you with love and to wipe your tears and to give you hugs and to encourage you to keep pressing forward. Beloved, as you struggle this morning... Know that God's commitment to you has been sealed in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Spikes driven into his palms. God's faithfulness demonstrated. And so, as you remember your mother, and guess what? Maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your mother. Maybe if you're watching at home, you didn't know your mother. Maybe there was a bad relationship. Remember what God says. Even the best of mothers are nothing compared to my love and my devotion to you. So remember your moms and celebrate them today and allow that, that remembrance and celebration of her to take you higher to the greater love and nurture of your triune God that has been made yes and amen in Jesus Christ as the Spirit is applying that work to you and to me as we wait for the fullness of everything that we see in Jesus Christ to be revealed in us when he returns and we see him and we are finally made like him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for this powerful image of motherhood. We thank you, Lord, that in your design that there is such a thing as mothers. And that for many of us, we we do get to experience in a finite way this this love that you have, an unconditional love, a one-way love so often in which your devotion is directed to us you nourish us with the pure spiritual milk of your word and you guide us and you protect us and you pick us up when we fall down you mend our wounds when we scrape our knees and you keep encouraging us keep pressing forward keep pressing forward i've got you Lord, we thank you for the mothers and their love and their sacrifice that is represented here within this room and represented within our congregation among those who are home. Father, may they know in a special way today your love for them. May they know that all those quiet sacrifices that they have made through the years that so often go unseen, that you have seen them and that, that you Um, provide them your joy as you know what it is to make sacrifice after sacrifice and for those sacrifices to go unseen and even worse, to go unappreciated. And Father, help us to uh, re-engage our devotion to you this week as your children, to re-engage that devotion, not as those who are scared of, of some loud mouthed father who we think is going to beat us when we make mistakes but instead to approach you as a loving mother who is there to receive us into your arms and to nurture us and to love us along the way oh lord so do this within us that we would not wrestle with fear and with doubt but even when we do that we would rest in your loving arms and allow you to nurture us once again. And so, Father, bless our mothers and bless all who are walking in Christ today. And, Father, use our testimony as your people, that testimony that is revealed in the Christian moms that are in our churches. Let that be a living hope to the moms who are out there who don't know you and to all who are out there who don't know you. And yet, without knowing it, are longing for the things that only you can provide as the one who has made them and as the one who nurtures their lives every step of the way. Lord, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.